Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Today on the Ether, part one of a two part CFI space crypto trading QA using Adam effectively. Let's take a listen. Hey guys, good afternoon. I didn't get any sleep last night. So I said, fuck it, let's not sleep today either. <laughs> Just uh, wait for six more hours and then go to bed. Last night we did the spaces all night, went kind of crazy. So, uh, Went to work, got back, and hanging out with you guys. Oh, there you are. <laughs> uh, let me get uh, let me get one of you on here so that uh, maybe Better Future can hop on for a second. Hey, I'm I'm ready for another ten hours. <laughs> so I figured, I, so I, I figured, fuck sleep, right? Like, uh, just kind of grind or die, right? I'm in bed actually. I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> so I went to work. Uh, they came back, and I'm like, oh man, if I sleep now, it's going to be like. 1 30 in the afternoon i'm gonna just wait till six or something and kind of like making it an even night again <laughs> so anyway uh i guess we'll wait for the little crowd to get going here so what'd you do today anyway no no i don't want to interact i just want to i want to express admiration for your marathon pal <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so uh, let me see. Let me pull up what happened to the uh, like uh, Luna Classic and Luna today. I didn't even pay attention. Uh, let's see what kind of drama is going on here. Um, it's interesting how so many coins have sort of like made this kind of like they're kind of trying to bottom out, but so hard to tell what the hell. But my God, there's just so long for. Um, all right. Um, yeah, about twenty four cent. Uh, 0.00024. Okay. Well, that's doing fine. So it's kind of like chilling over there. I guess we'll have to see how much like attention happens, but uh, okay. And then Luna, what's it doing today? Dollar eighty seven. So it's just basically flat. Okay. Well, anyway, <clears throat> I don't know if uh, anyone's like been like trading this uh, Luna Classic business lately. But it's got uh, it's starting to like correlate more robotically with everything else. So I don't know. Uh, it's hard to uh, pull away when that happens. It's really better when like nobody's paying attention. A bunch of retards are hooking up, and like not a lot of bots are running. Makes it easier to push price up. But we'll see. Anyway, I haven't slept uh, <laughs> at all pretty much for the last like I don't know. It's going to approach forty eight hours soon. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So if I pass out and die, um, you know, this McDonald's Coke is not going to do it for me. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, if folks want to kind of hop on and chill, <laughs> I think Coach is probably sleepy already. <laughs> mm, and I, I'll, I'll be here, but in like, I don't know, I'll listen. I'll listen attentively and, uh, and maybe like 
I don't know, reading my book at the same time in the background. Oh, you're, think, finishing a, you're finishing a book? Yeah. yeah. What are you tempting to read there? Um, it's a book on like uh, magical rituals. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes perfect sense, right? Uh, so are you going to do like a, like a voodoo on somebody or like maybe a, like a magic missile I mean, like at Dungeons and Dragons? What are we talking about? I think it's one for future space. I think I'll, I'll hold off for now. But yeah, I think somebody else needs to man up and, and come join you. Um, yeah, well, Nano's here. Uh, let's see. Nano's hasn't been playing around in a while, or uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who else is up here that wants to come hang out? I promise I won't fuck with you too much. We'll just kind of chill. <laughs> Addie's probably still sleeping. She probably like passed out. <laughs> She's a pretty good sport, though. She made it like a long time. Oh, she was really good. Like two marathons in a row. Her life's probably going to fall apart soon if she carries on. Yeah, so like, yeah, the the gang has been pretty much been, uh, you know, putting together like a Luna Classic cartel. And, you know, there's all these uh, little like splinter groups all over the world. And, you know, they're like, you know, all like sitting around, like forming a religion around Luna Classic. And they're, you know, just total degens, like, not even degens, really. They don't know the first thing about DeFi. They're more like, uh, what is it called? These meme coin crowds, right? It's fucking hilarious how quick they showed up uh, when uh, Luna crashed. It was like the next week that was like, uh, you know, what's her name? Um, y Pump and all these people like showing up and we're in their spaces. They're like, oh my God, these people are total retards. And then like later on, we're like, hey, wait a minute. This is like the people we need to be friends with. Um, <laughs> it makes no sense because the nerds don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's really funny. Uh, anyway. But uh, yeah, there's been these little cartels on Discord and whatnot and uh, like forming this little Luna Classic religion. Uh, yeah, very strange. Uh, well, you did predict that would happen. So that's, you know, <laughs> that's pretty sweet. I have the lug DAO already. It's nice. Anyway, yeah, if you haven't uh, stuck your Luna Classic in uh, Lunk DAO, uh, the validator, then uh, you should probably do so. Um, it'll, it'll probably like, uh, makes, uh, Bruce's little project keep running anyway, <laughs> crazy stuff. Um, yeah. Are you guys all at work or something or what? Like, uh, someone come hang out here. So I don't have to talk to myself. It's weird. Um, <laughs> no, nobody wants to like get up here. Uh, Hey, TFM, maybe I want to hear some updates on like, uh, oh, Grin, uh, Grin speak usually speaks if he's around. Oh, is Grin here? Oh, there's Grin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Grin, come up here. Are you working or what? Our Vajra's here. Let's see if I can grab, you know, force these people to come on. <laughs> it's unfair. Like, hey, Grin. You've been, for, you've been up for what? Like 40 hours. They shouldn't force yeah. you to speak to yourself. Yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm trying to keep myself awake. It's weird. Hey, Grin, what are you doing? I'm on a three-minute treadmill break on the last five minutes of my lunch break, and I want to share them with you. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. <laughs> so anyway, like, uh, I've been kind of like, um, watching basically Cosmos is Adam. And, um, like, so the reasons I'm kind of keeping an eye on this little fucker is, uh, I have these like, kind of like this little list of things I've been watching. And, and, um, one thing is that like, um, if you look at the Cosmos ecosystem, it's almost like, it doesn't matter what else goes up to some degree. It causes some attention towards Adam, almost no matter what. And uh, if people want to get their 
you know, to Luna or whatever, there are going to be people that kind of traverse Cosmos or Kepler or whatever, make their way through Atom and get there. So I figure like centralized exchanges have really good reasons to keep Atom and hold on to it. So, uh, and, and there's really nothing particularly controversial about Atom. And the uh, centralized exchanges, when the interest rates are high, they make a damn killing off of people because, like, the general public, you know, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're on, like, uh, you know, Coinbase. They're making, like, 5% yield or some shit. And Coinbase has taken the other, like, um, you know, 10-plus percent yield, which is strange. So I guess Coinbase, I'm assuming they make good money off of uh, staking Adam on behalf of some fraction of their uh, holders or something, although I'm not 100% sure of that. Anyway, um, the, uh, you know, Adam is pretty much everywhere uh, just because like the like Jay Kwan and the uh, the crew of the Cosmos pretty much uh, put this thing together as a relatively early crypto project. I think the white paper was like 2014 or something. So it's uh, like Jay is old school. Um, of course, Jay's fucking like crazy a little bit, like just like the rest of us, which is cool, uh, which actually makes me more bullish, like these like, you know, eccentric geniuses and whatnot. Uh, I, I was trying to get Jay to come on. He like followed me and I, I was like going to chat with him. But he did do an interview um, with CryptoCito on YouTube, which was actually pretty good. Um, so I felt like uh, that went well. So we'll see. He's also building GNO or, or uh, No Land or whatever, which is a weird name. I don't know. It's like like, like this marketing uh, name is terrible. Uh, what, what do you think about GNO Land, uh, Coach? Do you have any ideas about that? No, no, I've I've got nothing to say on that. I I haven't looked into it, but I will say that Jay Kwan has been in the Lungdao chat since the start. <laughs> he's a member there. I don't think he's ever read it or participated or anything, but he's in there. He's been in there since the start. That's hilarious. He's probably like turned off Twitter and like you know like uh, tried to stay away. Maybe. I like to think these people are like just just kind of lurk and sometimes They're just we, lurking. <laughs> like some like we'll start to be like amused over time, and then we'll eventually like participate. I think it'd be good. Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah, like you gotta like slowly like uh, you know <laughs> probably right now he's just staying incognito because he just doesn't want any attention. He's probably like you know like just kind of like I wonder if he's like gotten over the shit from <laughs> all this last year and like well he's got his baby and everything to work on too right so like who knows anyway um, <clears throat> so so Adam uh, basically uh, it's interesting it has this. Uh, when I first started uh, in Adam, I think it was maybe like maybe 20, uh, late 2020, something like that. I don't remember what I paid for it. Anyway, point is like, uh, I think my average price on it is right around the current price. So basically, uh, like at this point, like any yield I get on it is pretty much just gravy. Um, like I've got uh, about um, four fifths of it in just straight Adam. And then I got like a fifth of it in the Adam Osmo pool, which earns like 30% yield. And that thing's just like spitting out money like a beast. 30% uh, yield is pretty damn good for doing absolutely nothing. Now, it's not as good as like a grid bot, whatever. But, you know, um, I like to have my, you know, uh, finger in the like osmosis pools and maybe a little bit in, uh, you know, an Adam wallet. It's also good to kind of like stick your shit in different places so that. It's a little bit harder to like, uh, you know, steal your stuff if, you know, if some issue happened and or you got hacked or something. 
Hey, what's up, Grid? Go ahead. Yeah, so I know the last time I looked that uh, Adam was it was gearing up that um, new chains would be able to launch, and instead of having their own token, they would earn their own validators. They would just use the existing Adam validators, which then should you'd think increase the value of Adam a lot because right now you have a lot of chains built on Adam tech, but then I don't know how um, holders of Adam directly benefit from those. But in the case where new chains could pop up and the existing Atom validators could validate those chains, it seems like that would make it a lot more valuable. Do you know if that's already happened or is it on the horizon? No, all that's on the horizon. That's what I was going to cover a little bit of. Um, so uh, number one, I, I kind of like the fact that Atom doesn't do anything. <laughs> like, it sounds kind of stupid, but it's more like Bitcoin in that way, in that like... Uh, the less it does, I, I agree with Jay Quan on this subject. Like, the less it does, the better off we are. And the reason is, like, you don't want some, you know, you know, stupid, uh, like, smart contract protocol show up on there and like break something or do something ridiculous. Some major chain wide, um, like, chain should be beneficial, I think, to every chain on the cosmos somehow, or beneficial to IBC somehow. But I don't think I don't think it's good for like um, adding unnecessary like risks and noise in the basic um, uh, atom chain. So I, I tend to agree on that. Mainly, I'm sorry, mainly because I need like uh, a, something that's a good store of value location, and I like the fact that um, even though like it's not a fixed supply like Bitcoin. Um, I like the fact that it has like a cohesive, um, uh, a cohesive like yield that when other people are not staking, your yield goes up substantially. So when I started like maybe late 2021 or something, I believe the yield is like 9% or something. And right now it's sitting like 19%. So that means like during the bear market, like people unstaked. So that means that like I can get a bigger portion of the network much quicker especially if I don't sell my yield. Now, that's the thing. Like when you have um, like 90% yield, the question is like, what's your strategy? What do you do with your yield? Uh, I think a useful thing with Adam is that it's easy to con uh, swap almost anything on osmosis that you care about. So it's easy to get um, cash in and out of osmosis to different things. Um, and... Uh, uh, so that's one thing. So if some new project comes along or, you know, you, you want to buy some like Stargaze tokens that you can buy like some NFTs later or something, uh, you can basically easily move things. Um, you can also do some interesting things. So let's say you want some Stargaze uh, tokens and I don't remember what the yield is, but it's really high. Uh, what I might do is my, you might take like some Atom yield and send it over to Stargaze and get some even more inflationary yield, like just you know, just ramp that up. So you take the yield you already got and then like maybe boost it even further. Now those super high yield coins will be really highly susceptible to volatility and, um, you know, crazy downsides. Uh, but at the same time, they, they tend to recover over time and super high yield coins tend to sort of like neutralize your position. Cause you're getting some, you know, uh, you're getting some coins uh, for staking in exchange for waiting. So if the yield is really high, you can do that. Stargaze is interesting. Like to me, Stargaze, if uh, I was going to buy some NFTs over there, for example, uh, I'm, I haven't really purchased too much there. I just kind of like loaded up on some star tokens while, while they were low. 
And I figured like, okay, we'll see where the ecosystem goes. And um, in the meantime, I could, if I get a lot of Stargaze tokens, I can again, restake those, or I can convert them to Atom again and just like shuffle them back for a little bit of store of value function. Yo, so, Seppi, can I ask you yeah, a few questions? Yeah, sure. Uh, so wait, did, did I interrupt someone? Sound like I did. No, go ahead. What do you? Yeah. What's the question? Um, where do you see Adam being like five years from now? I remember I was on a a call with a couple of homies, and they thought that it might just become an Ethereum layer two over time. And also, what are some interesting projects that you are interested building on Adam? Aside from like the obvious, like Juno, Osmosis, Secret like Mars, like aside from the very obvious ones, any like cool, interesting ones you've seen or. Well, yeah. Adam, Adam specifically um, is not really meant to be built upon. It's not really meant to be a smart contract chain. So, you know, the Cosmosm. All right. System. Yeah. It says what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Jeppy. I have only one question. Take Go care ahead. you guys. I love you all. What's Bye. up? <laughs> <laughs> Take care. I love you all, guys. Yeah, it's all good, man. <laughs> bye bye. See you later. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, the uh, yeah. So on Adam, uh, it's not really meant to be a smart contract platform. And some of the governance proposals went back and forth on this issue. Uh, like I remember Jay in particular was really against this idea, and I tend to agree after thinking about it for a while that uh, we shouldn't really be building too much shit on it. Uh, what's going to change on Adam? Uh, Number one is in any major new changes to the ecosystem, uh, Cosmosm, whatever, you could send it, you could deploy it on Atom and like test all that shit. Uh, and then ultimately deploy things on other chains, like, for example, um, a Juno or a Terra or whatever. So uh, any kind of like tech that uh, Tendermint or Ignite or who knows what they're calling themselves these days, the, the, the different uh, like organizations. Any achievements technological that get made end up getting passed to the other chains anyway. And there's nothing really very special about the basics of, let's say, a Juno chain versus a Terra chain, assuming you have all the upgrades and whatnot, you know, of that particular um, uh, year or whatever. So the latest update to Cosmosm and all that. So in my mind, uh, just kind of like thinking of this real simply, like there's, you, you can create as many Cosmos chains um, as you want. Uh, like there are reasons to have like single app chains and then they're like a DEX, for example, like an Osmosis, or there might be reasons to have like maybe uh, like a major app, like maybe an order book type of system, maybe DYDX or something like that. And then add some additional applications that use that specific thing as like, uh, running on that same blockchain. Uh, but the, the farther and farther down the kind of like, um, the, like, think of this as like leaves on a tree or like, you know, a budding tree, like you start with bigger branches and it goes ever smaller. The user base, um, for a layer one is going to be a certain size, uh, or layer zero, like Adam, whatever you want to call it. And a layer one is going to be a different size. And then the uh, individual dApps are going to be yet smaller. And then the individual like micro dApps or whatever are going to be even smaller. So the thing is like uh, super micro cap type uh, projects. The problem is, is that like if you get in at the wrong time 
and the price goes down, you're sort of fucked because like the, the volatility is going to be really extreme and things could drag for God knows how long. So you have to be really, really kind of careful when you're buying these things. Like I remember, you know, on Terra, it was like everything from Spectrum Protocol to everything else, like it would pump and then it would dump for like six months. And, uh, you know, developers and whoever would like, you know, probably dump on you to some extent. Anyway, um, you, you got so w when it comes to all these little app chains and everything, I think as long as all of those are successful, whether it's like, you know, Crow Chain or whatever, I think there will be some buyers of Atom one way or the other. Now, right now, like Crypto.com's chain is a Cosmos based chain and it has like surpassed um, Atom for the moment. Uh, Terra did when it was at its like heyday, obviously. Um, but Adam is like kind of some stuck in that, like I think market cap 24 or something like that. It's doing pretty reasonable. And it's maintained a fair amount of value from its bottom in uh, 2000 when it like bottomed out at like a dollar. It's at 12 now, which is still 12x, right? That's pretty damn good. Um, it's a substantially uh, better outcome than say having hold bitcoin over that time so actually even with all the inflation all that shit you buy adam at the bottom you get not only the ex uh, like just as good of a like uh, uh like multiplier in terms of gain you're also getting this uh like wicked high yield so i'm like all right that seems reasonable to me so what do i do with this yield it's like uh 19 yield it's just pumping out good money every day so sometimes you know i, I might just stake some of it and just hold on to more, right? Just compound it or something. Uh, other times, like it's just a de-risk and stuff. You can just take that yield and, um, you know, just imagine it's like coming in pretty quickly at 19%. Um, you can take that yield and you can go do other shit with it. Oh, I forgot to mention, I had about 10%, uh, I'm sorry, 20% of the position in an Atom Osmo pool. And that's making 30% yield with superfluid staking on osmosis. So that's a nice little thing. And I, I take that Osmo and I convert it to Atom and I tend to move it over to my Atom wallet. So I sort of like de-risk off the Osmo because you know like the Osmo is going to be more susceptible to the downside. Um, even Atom's fairly susceptible to downside moves, but whatever. Um, I tend to convert to Atom, move over to my Atom wallet and then kind of load that up. And then uh, I take that yield and you can do like interesting shit with it, like uh, maybe send it to KuCoin. Uh, so on KuCoin, what I'll do is um, use some of the grid bots like we talked about yesterday, or maybe um, just do some spot buys of other things, or uh, just like convert to stablecoin, send it to a Coinbase account and buy shit with my debit card. Uh, what else? Um, what's nice about the Coinbase debit card is like 4% cash back on XLM. So what I'll do is I'll take that 4% cash back and I'll use that um, like to buy a whole bunch of like, you know, uh, like product gift cards and stupid shit. Like I'll buy like a ton of like Amazon cards and a bunch of Apple cards and this and that. Uh, you, and, and I'm sorry, Apple like store money. And so just load it all up. So like for like I don't have to pay for like an Apple subscription forever because it basically just loaded up on there. And I got the 4% cash back in XLM. I just convert that over back to USDC also. And uh, that's a pretty good like overall reward scheme. It's kind of fun. Anyway, that's just sort of play money, just messing around. That's just an idea for people to do if you like that. Anyway, otherwise, the rest of the uh, – oh, and to get USDC from KuCoin to Adam, 
what I tend, what I do is I send it over the Polygon network, and it's like a like a dollar or something. It's pretty cheap. You don't have to pay the crazy ETH gas fees. Still the same ETH wallet, but um, for USDC, you can just use Polygon. Anyway, KuCoin to Coinbase by via USDC Polygon works great. Uh, don't do don't do ETH uh, USDC to anywhere. It's like twenty dollar fee on KuCoin. It's just a ripoff. It's stupid. Anyway, so um, there's uh, so that kind of thing. You can use KuCoin to sort of spend your money, or um, on KuCoin you can just obviously use bots. The other thing you can do is like if you really want to kind of gamble with that money, then you can sort of take a um, you know you can uh, go into the futures, uh, perpetuals, and things like that, and and uh, you can even hedge with it. Like for example, let's say Adam has a little run up. You're like, ah, you know what? I'm going to like hedge with this little uh, yield that I got. And you can short the market with it, for example. Um, it's one way to kind of play with it. I don't do too much of that because, you know, picking directionality is basically like you can, you know, try to read charts and shit. But like the reality is like on a day to day basis, uh, there's a lot of movement either way. And uh, the grid bots are a little bit more, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe consistent and you don't have to really worry about them so you can take your 19 percent yield and on atom you can generally on a you know reasonably set up grid you can make probably like uh uh 60 to 100 percent apy pretty readily so you can basically make yield on your yield which is kind of cool um in that way like if atom's price goes down uh you're you're sort of getting a much higher yield um to compensate for that so within like six months to a year, you know, you've probably compensated for like maybe a f like 30 to 40% price reduction of Adam just using the yield alone. So that's, that's a cool thing to do. So anyway, um, while Adam is not that interesting to people, which typically is the case, the yield is relatively high because I guess not as many people are staking. So you're getting this wild 19% yield and it's pretty cool. So the new developments coming to the chain, um, I think uh, one of the guys was asking earlier, uh, include things like um, interchain um, accounts and interchain security. Uh, I don't know which one's going to be done first. I think interchain security, but the idea there is, and I don't know all the technical aspects. I haven't really like <laughs> sat and read the you know instruction manual or whatever. Um, basically, what's my understanding of it is um, interchain security means that a validator could basically validate for multiple blockchains in the Cosmos ecosystem simultaneously, so that um, it makes it uh, easier to for a new chain to afford to be able to bring on um, like come, come on live and basically uh, makes it easy because existing validators really sort of already have their infrastructure set up and all they have to cover is the validation of the new chain alongside the previous. And, you know, some new chain is not going to be that busy. It, it's going to be fairly easy to do. So, What's interesting about that is uh, it makes it easier for like commercial enterprises to to deploy a blockchain dramatically easier, like um, you know and you know who knows Uber or United Airlines or some shit can create a Cosmos chain. They could do like frequent flyer miles on it or maybe like pay for services. Now I'm not saying they will. It's just it's just interesting to think about that it's fairly easy to do on Cosmos because if you think about how companies work. And companies aren't going to want to have a blockchain uh, be subservient in some sense to um, uh, 
uh, you know, like other layer ones or whatever, they're going to, they're going to prefer sovereign governance. And I think that was the beauty of Cosmos that way, like whatever, you know, um, governance plan that they want to use, like, let's say it's a centralized um, chain. Maybe they don't give a shit about uh, any governance and they can just like, like not have voting or anything. Uh, so there's a lot of, or they could do tokenomics of whatever design they want to favor their business model. Uh, and they don't have to like be enslaved by fees to yet another chain. So like layer, uh, like dApps on Cosmos, I, I think are going to have generally uh, sort of like medium-sized scale type projects um, in the mix. And the reason is because if you're big enough, you just have your own chain. Why the hell would you want to like uh, basically play rent to um, you know, another layer one. So the interchain um, security basically allows this interesting rapid deployment of lots and lots of new chains to my understanding. And like, it, you don't have to have like the exact same validator set. Like for example, you know, like the LunkDAO validator might validate, um, you know, you know, half dozen chains, but um, you know, uh, I don't know who else is out there. There's the, uh, uh, you know, or, uh, yeah, the orbital uh, command validator might do six other chains, right? They don't have to be the same ones, so that gets kind of interesting. Um, it might ha ha it might make sense actually to increase the total validator count at that point for all the chains too, so that we like increase decentralization, and you don't have all the chains subservient to the same, you know, validator sets. Um, so that's a that's a possibility, obviously. Uh, then interchain accounts. My understanding of that is, okay, um, you want to be able to um, have a wallet experience that ultimately, like if I have Osmo tokens on my, like Oz, on the Osmo chain, and I have, let's say, Terra, you know, uh, Luna tokens on the, uh, you know, Terra chain, then, and I want to be able to, um, you know, pay for something like gas fees or whatever, then I ideally the best user experience would be um, the end user is just using some sort of wallet, but there's no actual uh, need to um, like figure out um, like what coins you have to do on what chain and like the user experience right now for Kepler and Cosmos, like just frank, quite frankly, it sort of sucks. Like it's okay for like some crypto nerds. It's, it's not bad, but it's still not smooth enough. Um, it, it, it's just not intuitive enough like osmosis, the experience. I understand why they did what they did, but it's still pretty weird. Like the different pools and this and that, like the first time you use it, you're scratching your head going like, you know, what's going on here. So it is, it is a little bit tricky anyway. Um, so interchain security, uh, I'm sorry, interchain accounts is going to create these abilities to sort of like more cohesive user experiences, um, you know, with your wallet and make it way, way easier to get between different things. So I think that's a, um, uh, so that's another sort of bullish feature of the whole system. Um, what I don't particularly like about, um, uh, I don't know, Ethereum or um, even when I look at like Near and which, by the way, Near is going to be a, a IBC compatible too at some point. Apparently, um, these are kind of sharded networks that have some speed, but at the same time, like what uh, what do they offer in terms of advantage? Not much, considering that. Um, what's going to happen with Cosmos is it's not unreasonable that like a project 
if it's big enough, it's really huge, might have one, two, three chains. Like, you know, it's just a matter of like sharing liquidity via IBC. And unlike something like Cadena, which has like um, massively parallelized systems of like graph based chains, the problem with Cadena is, is like, you know, if you're a liquidity provider, on a DEX, you'd have to have like two copies of your DEX with two different liquidity pools. It's fucking weird. So that's the downside on Cadena. It's like some of the user experience is still kind of fucked up there too. And uh, so is the like developer experience. There's some issues there. So the thing is like, if all you have to do is spin up a new chain to parallelize um, or parallel process, you know, whatever new users you have, I don't think um, you're gonna need um, like to worry about uh, filling in liquidity because IBC can sort of help that. So I think uh, ultimately if we can make IBC faster, more cohesive, and like there is, um, you know, less of a DEX experience and more of a, hey, I can use my uh, Cosmos chain coins on any other Cosmos chain somehow without, without all these like um, DEX nuances that people have to go through. I think it's gonna work out much, much better. Um, you know, like after having seen what's happened with, uh, uh, UST, uh, basically you, you have to be somewhat or, or very bearish on, uh, Tether and USDC to one extent or the other. And the reason is cause like at the end of the day, governments don't have a really great reason to allow them to stay existing. Uh, like, you know, at some point, if some sort of like CBDC based economy shows up, which pretty much seems inevitable, then the thing is, like, the vast majority of people are going to use that as the trusted remittance. Why the hell would they want to mess with Tether, right? So Tether goes to zero at that point. There, there would be no reason to have it. Besides which, Tether is not really scalable. Um, Circle USDC is not particularly scalable either. And um, having said all that, it's like, I just don't mess with stable coins much. Like I use them for like a little bit of transactions to buy some shit, whatever, but I'm not holding anything in stable coins, any significant quantity. Like it's just, it's just not worth it. Like, you know, um, if I just wanted to hold like cash in any significant res um, capacity, I might as well just have it on, uh, you know, in a bank account. Why, why in the hell do I need to go and like expose this like cash? to any of the risks of a stable coin, I, I don't think I need to bother, honestly. So I just don't. So I think at this point, like store value, I'm not messing with um, uh, any kind of like inflationary fiat based anything. Uh, I just plan on just buying things when they're down. So like if Adam goes down further, I'll just get more. And um, you know, that that's that. Um, if some of these other projects, uh, I think Grover, uh, you guys are building on what chain again? It's uh, mm. hey, yeah, say say network. Say. Well, like, um, uh, give me. Uh, I, I was meaning to ask you before, but like we we veered off into La La Land last yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was meaning to ask you, like, actually, what? Um, so, what is the sort of like the pitch for the say network? Like, why does it have to exist? And like, what's going to be built on it? What's the story there? Sure. Um, Okay, so yeah, normally when I join these spaces, it's oh, not, and and the reason I'm bringing this up is, is I, I I'm just thinking of like uh, why I'm shifting gears to this is that like one is probably not many people know about this. It might be useful, but second is I'm looking at other places besides like Adam and you know Tara and things to 
to like shuffle money around. And uh, I do want to find like those little gems with like the asymmetric upside, but I just don't know mm-hmm. enough about it to judge whether it's that good or not. You're, you're going to pitch this and like, yeah, it's me. So, <laughs> yeah. So the, um, uh, the proposition of say, so, so really, you know, going back to this app chain sort of, uh, thesis, you know, there's, there are good reasons why you might want to modify consensus and you might want to do something differently. Uh, and why, why you might not want to operate in a general purpose chain. Uh, one of those reasons is to build a central limit order book and to have peer to peer trading with market makers, everything that people are familiar with from, you know, trading on Binance or trading on, uh, NASDAQ or anything like that. So, uh, say essentially is it's kind of more infrastructure. So people often think, oh, is it the same as Kuji, Kuji chain? Uh, it's it's quite different in that it's a piece of infrastructure. It doesn't have front end. You know, it's it's got this order matching module um, built into the chain with something that's called global smart contract awareness, which is kind of marketing talk for uh, you have one spot market. So say you had two dexes and you place a buy order in one dex, it can be filled by a sell order on another DEX because it's just a single liquid market routed through the order matching engine, which is all on chain. So it's kind of like uh, DYDX has this off-chain order matching engine, which lives in someone's house somewhere. Um, and uh, this is the on-chain decentralized permissionless equivalent uh, of the DYDX um, order matching engine, except it's, it's pushing kind of Cosmos and Tendermint to the extremes where we're getting, I think, you know, 0.4 seconds, like best case, 0.4 second block times something like 9,000 transactions per second uh, plus. So this, this can scale, you know. This, so this with, is, with, yeah. uh, with an order book-based system, like what are you guys projecting the cost per transaction? Like what are you trying to achieve? Uh, right. So um, the, there's a couple of things there. So the first is that uh, it will kind of depend, um, like, obviously like the tokenomics, um, how, how that's going to work. It's still going to be worked through at the moment. So the actual fees that get taken, if anything, I'm advocating for like not um, taking like taking the absolute bare minimum to maintain validator economics, but uh, that's another discussion. Um, it's it's really like uh, how do we make this the best possible trading experience? How do we make this the path of least resistance? So it's the the cheapest place to trade on Cosmos by miles. Yeah, uh, like Grover. I don't know if you you were on some spaces that I you know did when we talked to like I don't know uh, Nexus Protocol and a bunch of other people. But, you know, my wish list, um, sort of like to to make a buck uh, and not have to worry about like a lot of bullshit taxes and this and that. And yeah, like monitoring of that shit is basically this idea that like, all right, so you get to a uh, like, you know, 0.2 percent or 0.1 percent, maybe trading fee. And let's say with slippage and stuff like let's say you're you you are under 0.3%, like something less than KuCoin, right? Uh, the idea is that you could you could run basically a grid bot based vault on uh, on the network without necessarily like recording to the chain every single transaction that you individually are making. Mm-hmm. Uh, the benefit of doing that would be like you get the benefit of sort of like an ETF you know, where something's trading in the background, but you don't have to pay a bunch of fucking useless taxes and whatnot. And you can auto compound this, like unlike KuCoin, where like, you know how they keep a separate basket um, for your profit, you could actually just auto compound all of that and then just get wicked crazy, um, like, you know, compounding essentially of whatever you're doing. So 
in order to do that though, you need to be like at point, uh, like if you can do that with under 0.3%, when you include slippage and including um, the transaction fee, then you can really make this work. And if it's like 0.2%, it's even obviously better. And I think a lot of volume will arrive when these types of things uh, get right. created. And, and it was getting close, like on Terra, like before the stupid, um, you know, DPEG and everything, a lot of cool projects were so close to doing all this shit, right? Um, so what's the guy from Stanford's name? Uh, you know, oh, so, I, uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Well, shit. But I can't remember either. The little <laughs> wizard had like, yeah, he had a project <laughs> coming out and uh, it got all fucked up. Uh, uh, but look, um, anyway, anyway, maybe, long story short, but that's what yeah. my wish list was, right, Grover? Like, yeah. maybe tell me, like, does that does my wish list sound well, like yeah, something that's no. going to be produced? Yeah, hundred percent. So, so the idea here is um, maybe I'll just say a bit more. So, um, what this means is you don't have to use AMMs anymore, uh, which means from the trader's point of view, you know, you don't have like this horrible slippage. You got a tight, you got a tight um, spread around a, a price. It's sort of like everything that Uniswap V3 is trying to do now, everything that, you know, so GMX is trying to do now is take the AMM model and like, they're slowly working backwards, slowly and slowly, surely getting back to an order book um, with concentrated liquidity. But really, why not just have, if you can build an order book on chain, well, that's just like the best possible thing. So this is what market makers want. This is what people who want to build new DeFi strategies. It's sort of like a new, new DeFi design space. That's the idea is where you can unlock all these different ideas and strategies. Um, so, you know, speaking to quantitative traders that, like this last week, I've, I can't kind of drop too many names as usual, <laughs> but, you know, this is what they want. They're like, dude, I cannot trade on GMX, you know, um, too, too many bips. Um, it's, it's just, this is not what I want to be doing. This is not profitable for me. It's too risky. I'm not providing liquidity. I mean, I, I suppose that's actually the best thing you can do on GMX, but, um, then they're talking to, to us about uh, perps trading on Vortex. And Vortex is obviously using this uh, auto matching engine. It's going to be built on top of, say, using all of that, uh, you know, the, the rapid time to finality, the high uh, TPS, you can scale. Uh, we, we've got market makers who are very, very interested in coming and building here and, and uh, well, making markets here um, because it's what they know and what they're familiar with. So um, this is kind of the exactly what DOIDX have come to the same conclusion about. They've said, Hey, you know, right? We, we don't want to be kind of. I mean, Starknet is one thing, but they want to build their own chain. They want to make the trade-offs that they want to make uh, in order to facilitate DeFi specifically and specifically perps trading. So this is like the one good reason. Uh, if you listen to Multicoin, the one good reason why you might want an app chain is to facilitate a club. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a whole bunch here really, but um, yeah, it's really cool. We've got maybe uh, I I know I could, off the top of my head I can think of at least ten. There's probably more, but fifteen teams that are pretty certain they're going to build here. Like like high high confidence they're going to build here, um, which are all going to get released over the next few weeks and months. Uh, I think mainnet start of next year, maybe January February time. Depends on a couple of things. Uh, so. Yeah, it's um, how, like, how do you cool. foresee, like, I'll give you an example of what I want to do. Maybe you can tell me if like, I'm mm -hmm. just delusional or what. So let's see, let's say I want to like trade um, maybe like Adam versus Luna. Um, and I just want to like uh, have a grid essentially trading the volatility between those two. Or maybe I just want to take my um, yield from Adam 
And let's say I want to take that and I want to buy sort of Luna exponentially on the way down. And I want to take my Luna yield and I'm going to use that and I'm going to buy Adam on exponentially on the way down. Some, some weird shit like that, right? So, you know, like, does a system like this facilitate like the creation of those kinds of sort yeah. of interesting projects? So, um, you know, with that sort of looking at maybe a specific vault strategy, um, it's, you know, to answer your question, yes, it's, this is the kind of thing that can be facilitated in this, uh, on this specific chain because we're not using AMMs because we don't have the latency, um, because we've got low gas fees. It kind of just means you can, you can do this crazy stuff. Um, and, and that's kind of what the chain's encouraging people to do to come over and build. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's things like predictions markets, like really fun stuff, you know, so perps, perps are fun. You can take a 10 X long or short, and we're going to include a bunch of long tail things, uh, down the line. I would actually like to include Luna, but we have to just, uh, think about the risk of, of Luna and, uh, whether that's, that's a safe asset to list, but, um, you know, I want to include these long tail things, some crazy, crazy things, uh, on the markets. You can take longs and shorts against, uh, options, protocols. There's an options protocol coming across. Um, we've actually got a stable coin coming across as well, which is uh, going to be native to Cosmos and is kind of brand new, but, um, um yeah i to answer your question yes <laughs> how does like how does uh the say network uh and all of this interact with ibc are there is mm -hmm. it going to be easy to utilize ibc assets from different wallets and like bring them over to so, over to here pretty easily yeah. or how does this work there's a couple of so yeah i mean um ibc is something that will be integrated in say and you'll be able to send and receive ibc tokens um there's two ways that we're thinking about uh doing exactly that so one interchain accounts uh which has got about a five second latency on it um you know to actually carry out a transaction which means you know you can send probably limit orders you can probably send things which aren't time critical um uh between chains um the other way is i was talking to axelar earlier on and they've got like a cross-chain messaging thing um which which is kind of equivalent but what it will mean is you can go to metamask and you can take usdc from metamask and in one click you can deposit it into vortex on say network on cosmos um which we think is just a no-brainer you know that's that's uh it's going to be great so all these users who are using dydx and gmx today or whatever whatever on ethereum we can say hey by the way you can use the same wallet um come and deposit your cash or your your stables on a on a cheaper chain with funner apps uh and a wide variety of derivatives and this this is one of the main points here really is that derivatives get enabled by this chain um you know illiquid markets that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do like so you know um when you're looking at prism for example and you got like okay we've got luna and obviously there's a huge demand for c luna and y luna but what if they want to start refracting all these lp tokens where are they going to get liquidity to uh to make these markets and so this just becomes infinitely easier um when you have uh, an order book style exchange because you can just have a tight spread around a certain price grover we lost you there for a bit i think he's gone no grover no <laughs> Anyway, uh, just Wait, to recap. Oh, uh, Sorry, someone, uh, someone phoned me. You're back. How far? How far did we get? Oh yeah, you're. Yeah, you're good. Uh, I don't know. Order book and then something. All right, order book and something. 
that's that's the pitch. And actually, just cl- clarify for people for just a second, like what the difference between um, an AMM is and what an order book mm. is, just for people that don't know, because I'm sure pe- everyone's used to using like you know AMM based DEXs lately. Yeah, um, they probably have used order books on centralized exchanges, perhaps uh, to put in like limit orders and stuff. But maybe they don't understand like the what exactly is happening. But yeah. you know. So, uh, between these two an amm uh, amm is really good for a few things by the way i'm not to say that they're useless everywhere but they they are good they are good on uh, certain applications or general purpose chains um so that's where it's kind of an invention uh uniswap coined the name amm back in 2018 i think where you have for example a constant product pool so what does that mean it means the pool automatically balances so you deposit uh two types of token maybe it's usdc and uh, ethereum and there's a constant product between the two. So X, Y, K, you know, you, know, you basically just have uh, the amount of one token times the amount of another token equals some constant number. And, and it means if you sell, then the price will adjust sort of accordingly. So you have this nice curve um, and it you doesn't require any, uh, any kind of outside p- person or outside forces to come and place orders and maintain a, you know, a tight spread around a price. Um, like, so, you know, if you look at exchanges, you just got all these transactions firing off all the time and that's market makers and people trading constantly placing limit orders and buy orders and sell orders uh, around a certain price. But AMMs don't require any of that. They just sort of sit there tickety boo, uh, and they react to people putting tokens in. So I guess the easiest analogy is like, you've got two swimming pools. If you take water out of one and, you know, you put some water into the other, that's kind of the the easiest way your analogy you can get for an AMM. Um, there's a whole bunch of different variants of AMMs, but that's the simplest one and the one people are most familiar with. The, the difference between that and an order book is you have like uh, people making active trades and active strategies uh, on order books. So what does that mean? That means that they're placing limit orders um, around the, uh, the, the settlement price. Um, and it, what it means is all the liquidity is kind of lo- like located around uh, the price that it currently is, it's, it, you won't you won't get as much slippage. Uh, you will, you know, it's it's just it's just um, um, the superior way to trade. I think that's the <laughs> so what way. what was the what was the like technical reason why Uniswap, for example, started out with a AMM instead of an order book yeah. style system? Is it limitations of Ethereum uh, speed or something? Or? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's all of the above, but you know, it's gas gas fees. You'd, Market making on Ethereum mainnet would be incredibly expensive um, for any kind of active strategies or active market making. You have to pay a million dollars in gas, probably. Um, and then, of course, yeah, it's like uh, it doesn't really warrant uh, any of this when you have MEV as well. This is the other thing I should mention. Um, MEV is where validators basically get to choose the order. Uh, that transactions uh, are, are placed in when they validate a block. So on Ethereum, for example, they'll see you make a nice big buy and they'll say in the mempool that like, your transaction's sitting there and you'll go, oh, thank you very much. And they'll sandwich that. They'll order their, uh, they'll sort of place a buy and a sell themselves and they'll sandwich your trade to basically, if you're if you're buying, for example, they'll they'll pump the price a bit, your buy order comes in and then it pumps the price a bit more and then they'll sell. <laughs> So that they don't get the price they want, but you get to actually profit from someone's buy. Like front running and back running are also other sort of nefarious trading practices that take place um, on on, a, on Ethereum mainnet. But you, you don't get that um, on say because there is uh, frequent batch auctioning. So all of the transactions in a block are 
um, basically batched together. The validators can't see, um, or they can see it, but it takes the average sort of settlement price from a single block. So it doesn't matter what order the transactions go in. Um, so you don't have this sort of um, battleground and this sort of people um, eating up your eating up your trades. Um, so that's just another another thing to consider. Uh, and really, yeah, it's just like innovation that worked really, really well and works really, really well um, in some application. And, you don't need and, fast. And this was made specifically possible by um, Cosmwasm, but not most other uh blockchains and, and our contract platforms or so you, you could do it in other places um cousin was kind of battle tested in all of this you know it's just kind of proven at this point um you can because you can set up a chain and make the trade-offs that you actually want um and you can sort of you can sort of set up set up your cosmos chain you can say okay well look i'm going to make this permissioned i don't want congestion i don't want nft mints i'm going to shut this down so you can only uh, deploy apps that are um, um, give grants permission to deploy and uh, you can then say uh, governance has to come in and vote um, on what gets deployed on chain so that it's sort of kept kept pretty um, clean unlike solana for example which is like an nft chain of these days uh, the i guess i'm losing my train of thought a little bit but um uh what was i going to say here so i've been on, i've been on calls for about five hours <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Gravely <laughs> fried. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a whole bunch of really nice things there. Uh, we talked about MEV and order books and uh, transaction speeds, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess it gives a flavor of what's going on. Um, so, and, uh, yeah, would would you say like if you used, say, for example, um, like a you know a bot trading like on KuCoin, would you say that like uh, say network is going to allow us to do more or less what we do there, but possibly with lower fees? Um, will it be lower fees? Depends. Depends. I couldn't say for sure if it'd be lower fees, but I can tell you it would be permissionless. It'll be composable with other applications. It'll be transparent. You can see what's going on. You have custody of your assets, unlike on KuCoin where you don't. Um, and you don't really know necessarily, like people will spread rumors about KuCoin. Oh, it's insolvent. It's insolvent. Is it? I don't know. They did um, that, right? That was a big problem like a few yeah. months back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you're like, so there are pros like my bots or what, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I took everything off KuCoin based on a, on a, on a rumor because everything else was blowing up at the time. Yeah. So, um, just like. You know, so, so you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Uh, I moved. I moved off because I was like, whatever, fuck it. Like you know, yeah. like every other thing people said was going to die did. So I was like, all right, well, whatever. right, exactly. you know, like <laughs> contagion, contagion. So um, yeah. yeah, that's uh, and the other. I mean, the other nice thing here is that you have interoperability with other chains. You know, IBC. You know, Nessus, it's it's a it's a good five second sort of gap on those transactions, but it still means you can do things like um, work with other teams, work with other chains. Uh, it's a small world and everybody kind of knows each other. So um, these partnerships just kind of just kind of happen. Um, and there's a whole, there's a whole bunch that we're trying to work on. Um, so yeah, that's uh, uh, my boss phoned me about 15 minutes ago. So I better, I better phone him back. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh that's the latest and greatest on say, and uh, we should, you know, we can we can have a, a proper dedicated space or something, or we when, can get when, the, when can uh, we? Have, where do we actually grab, um, like, 
the base token of the blockchain yeah. if we want it. The, there'll be a public sale. Um, I couldn't say exactly when, but it'll be like a coin list type thing, you know, um, some kind of a, a platform that, uh, that hosts. And K, you, you'll probably have to KYC as well, unfortunately. That's it's just the name of the game at the moment um, in order to do to take part in the sale. Otherwise, you try, you know, there's a few things on Terra which um, which were interesting. And the way we did retrograde was you, um, we were like, we don't set the price, you know, users add liquidity. Uh, we don't, we know it's not a sale, it's not a sale, but uh, that doesn't really fly for the L1s. So you have to, um, have to KYC, unfortunately. Mm, okay. Anyway, all right. I'm going to fly. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. everyone. Uh, yeah, thanks for a little lowdown here. Um, yeah, Jer Bear, did you, or better, did you have some questions? Um, I was actually going to just ask you real quick, not about Adam. I just wanted to know because you were talking earlier about like gems that you wanted to snipe and whatnot. And I just wanted to know if you ever heard about Ergo or not. Um, it's, uh, I, I haven't, uh, I've heard the name superficially. What's it about? It's an alternate layer one blockchain built by Alex Chirpinoy, uh, who's the co-founder of Chainlink. Um, they're using like the EU to EUTXO model, and it's like at the bleeding edge of technology when it comes to like a lot of things. Um, they're being developed on it, and I just want to know if you you heard about it. I'm not going to go into depth about what it is what it's doing, but um, cause I have not. Um, what's the what's the ticker again? ERG. ERG. Erg, and it yeah. has been. It started already, or it's like pending. Um, I think their block, yeah, their blockchain's up and running. Um, you can't do much on it right now because it's still like in its early phases of development. But what they're trying to do with the technology is very interesting. It's all built from the ground up. Um, they have their own smart contracting language. Um, they they're using NIPAPOWs, which are a very interesting type of uh, technology, which allow the implementation of light clients very easily um what else uh sigma protocols which is their own sort of zk roll-up technology like everything they're doing is just absolutely fascinating and it's like it's not it's not obviously built right now and it but like a couple so you years from now, you, you can't buy the coin or anything yet or anything like that you, right? you can you can it's mineable you can buy the coin it's just like the blockchain is not like totally built out right now you know what i mean like it's still a very early stage by mineable what does that mean at this point you can set up a gpu miner and mine it oh no shit so they got little proof of work thing going yeah yeah it's, it's a proof of work blockchain their emission schedule will be done by like it's it's pretty quick i think their emissions will be done by like 2045 or something like and once that's over like no more coins are going to be mind um but it's an absolutely like fascinating project i've, I've well, been digging to them really, clearly the chain link people from an oracle perspective are highly credible <laughs> like the tokenomics yeah. for the chain link token fucking like blue donkey balls though it's the only problem <laughs> like, like i don't think anyone can believe how much coin uh i mean chain links price fell from its top it's so obnoxious it's ridiculous it's like lower than like uh it's like lower than two years ago now which is pretty pathetic no the, the tokenomics for ergo aren't terrible um there's no pre-mine or anything so that's really good too um and also something kind of interesting because alex chirpinoy is building it they're 
in a way, kind of solving the Oracle problem. They have decentralized oracles to an extent, which I find very, very interesting. They'll have like oracle pools. So it's like instead of relying on one data source to give you a result, you can have multiple data sources in a region all giving you X result. And you can have like that way a more decentralized oracle. And I don't think there's really anyone building decentralized oracles like that, at least on the base layer of a protocol. So there's a there's an oracle system on the base layer of Virgo somehow. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Okay. The, there's like a lot of really cool stuff on there. You can also on the base layer do um so pro- processing of like processing is happening what on the GPU miners then for the oracle processing? I would assume so. I'm not 100 percent certain. I haven't read their whole white paper. So it's like a big, it's like a big decentralized computer. Maybe not necessarily just like a decentralized uh, blockchain. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking of how this would play out. Yeah, because what they don't want to have necessarily is like again some server in some dude's basement, right? That's the idea. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and one thing also that's very interesting about them is they have, which I find kind of interesting, seeing as the time we're in. Um, they have a blender built into the base layer as well. So if you wanted to send private transactions and whatnot, you can do that all on the base layer. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I would like to see uh, Adam ultimately or Cosmos eventually do, where some sort of Cosmos wide blender gets uh, implemented, where like uh, you could basically blend your transaction between like maybe a half dozen chains on Cosmos. Uh, with sufficient liquidity and IBC, there's got to be some creative, like fucked up way of using all those chains with so much um, available throughput to create some sort of blenders. Um, you know, sure. like yeah. The the closest and, thing I think. Sorry to interrupt, but the closest thing I think to that on Atom is uh, Secret Network. It's not really a blender, but you can make your yeah your no, private, but. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with secret too. Also, obviously, I'm just saying like uh, you'd want to have the ability to say even send money to secret, like pre blended in my in my opinion. So like I don't like because right now like you get to secret and people know how you got there. Yeah, um, exactly. That's true. You know, so it doesn't feel that permissionless to me in that sense. I. I you know, those that still makes me a bit nervous. I think if we have, like, let's say, any Cosmos chain because of the way that maybe you create an upgrade that allows this process to happen, all, any and all chains become a participant in the blender, sort of. So it makes it harder and harder to shut them all down. Yeah. Um, it makes it harder and harder to make it, like, illegal or something like that, right? Uh, or and enforceability becomes really tough. So I, I think... Um, this problem has to be solved partly with brute force and then a combination of that plus secret. And uh, you, you could basically achieve a whole lot of your privacy goals. I think some, I mean, you could probably just do some sort of, I mean, built out probably just do some sort of a layer two on top of Ergo and just send it through to uh, Adam that way through like Axela or something and get it over to secret. Yeah. That's a good point. Like there there's, there's ways to get there. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Axlar, it's building like cross blockchain bridging aside from Atom, right? It's like a layer zero tech. Oh, 
Yeah, ultimately there has there needs to be a way to make it sort of not possible for a transaction of a coin leaving, say, a centralized exchange to be uh, traceable uh, outside of that exchange. Ultimately, the ability to uh, make your money sort of like um, vaporize is important. And um, I just don't know that I don't know what the right tech is that doesn't eventually say it doesn't lead to the situation where all right, like government says, hey, uh, this is illegal. Uh, we're going to put you in jail if you send your uh, money through this type of a technology. Um, you know, it has to be made in such a way that it's almost impossible to know that you did it and basically impossible to shut that system down or like, uh, you know, enforce reprisals against any of the run- runners of that sh- those chains or validators and whatnot. So that's the trick. I, I don't know uh, I, how that can be done. I think there's, I, I've, I've, looked at this coin like once i think there's something trying to build that sort of a product it's called um railgun i think the ticker is rail um i i looked at it like months ago and i haven't looked at it since but i think that's something they're trying to solve like essentially erasing your your on-chain sort of trace um or something of that sort i know it's a privacy-based coin building on ethereum yeah like what i was just talking to um grover about was so here here's how i would look at it like all right number one uh i have a chunk of money let's say i send a million bucks over to um say network somehow and i'm able to get it there um via some combination of um privacy and ibc and i'm able to kind of get this to say network uh, so the presence of my money on that network now um, has been obscured in terms of a paper trail. And then I drop the cash into like either a grid bot or a ETF style grid bot where it's like a vault. Uh, so you, there's like minimal sort of like numbers of transactions, taxable events, et cetera, et cetera. So you keep the fees low and then you essentially have this thing just like pump out money like a money printer, uh, which is what grid bots sort of are. And you make it set up in such a way that, um, like, you could have a nest egg sort of brewing there. And um, if you really wanted to sort of, like, bring your money back, then technically you wouldn't pay a whole lot of, like, transaction uh, or tax fees and things like that in between because these are all in a vault. It's, like, just like an ETF. So then when you send money back to um, a centralized exchange to convert to fiat, easiest way to do that in a lot of cases is just, like, straight atom straight to something like uh, a Coinbase or a Gemini or whatever. And you would uh, be able to convert back to fiat there, but you just pay like, you know, maybe income taxes on it. Like you wouldn't necessarily pay for every single trade on a grid bot, which ends up being like a lot of constant tax hassle and bullshit. You would just simply like record as in, as income and call it a day. Uh, it'd be really, really simple. And um, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting... So I have like this theory of how I would want to do my finances all the way from like store of value to like bot trading for like high yield back to um, uh, getting my money back while uh, making the the tax situation relatively simple. Uh, Like this is sort of where the magic is because right now it's just too much of a pain in the ass. And you want to be able to like set something up where a friend or something like that can hop on and do all this shit without so much trouble 
as we are still going through now. And I, I think it's still not like beginner friendly, um, the DeFi space. So we'll see how all this plays out. Um, what were, what were you thinking of? Like, Adam, are you allotting yourself quite a bit of it? Like, what are you doing with it? Um, I actually don't hold any Adam. The only crypto I've ever bought is I, I got like some Ethereum and some Cardano and that's pretty much it. I'm not buying anything right now just because of my work situation, but, uh, I'm probably going to accumulate some Adam throughout the bear market, ideally, but um, and obviously some other projects on Cosmos, but we'll see. I, I'm, I have like a list of projects I, I'm looking into over the next few years, uh, long term. Yeah, definitely. Like they've got some amazing product products on there that are solving a lot of issues, but we'll see. I, I'm, I'm very interested in like the layer two landscape and a couple alternate layer ones like Kadena and, and Ergo and things like that yeah well the thing is with um you know the more and more layer ones there are the more concerned i get in terms of the fracturing of you know the crypto sphere to where nobody fucking knows what anything is and it's very hard to like advertise anyone one coin because there's so many different great projects out there and this and that now, you could argue that, well, you know, you're quote-unquote early, and so therefore, like, it doesn't really matter which one you do. Everything will sort of go up. But um, at the same time, it's like, I, I think it becomes harder and harder the more uh, projects come out. So it's it's weird. It's like, on the one hand, uh, you if you uh, get too decentralized, in a sense, and, like, way too many projects, then what you end up having is is, like, a lot of weaker projects that are easier to fail. On the other hand, if you have, uh, you know, only a few layer ones, you know, they're a bit more centralized in total. And I'm not talking about the individual validators and everything, but like if the totality of the crypto networks uh, become more um, uh, centralized, you have uh, another set of problems. So there's no like, there's no perfect balance. And it's probably always going to be like a pendulum effect of going this way and that way as far as like centralization versus decentralization. But what I like about Adam specifically is the, the, if the thesis is that like uh, Cosmos-based chains can easily be created um, and you could, you know, you know, like pull up like 600 different Cosmos chains and you don't need a whole lot of fancy tech and shit because you can just simply spin up another one if you're bored with the first one. Uh, like, you know, you might have a single project with maybe like uh, let's say 10 chains in the future with interchain accounts. So like the bigger, I'm sorry, with interchain security. So the bigger your needs become, the more change you spin up and, uh, you know, more validators kind of show up to, to help out. So I think, um, that, uh, the, the cosmos idea, if you have so many chains though, the narrative sort of like swings back to Adam is this way I see it. Now, is that how it's going to play out? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Are interchain security and interchain accounts going to add substantial value to the token from a like tokenomics um, economic standpoint? That's still a maybe. Uh, but at the same time, you guys know that like a lot of crypto like is driven by narratives and such, and the the narrative for Adam will have all these interesting catalysts and plenty of reasons why people talk about it. And uh, that always brings new users and like another pump. So with Adam having retraced like almost down to like what, seven bucks from like nearly 50. uh, The way I look at it is like, 
uh, from like around 10, 12 bucks where it is now, a credible 5X is pretty much a given. Uh, the yield is high. And if the price of the coin goes up and finds a new support level in the future, so let's say it goes next time at 50, and then it like lands at like 30, right? Now, like my yield is essentially doubled um, when the price goes up. And uh, it seems like a good buy area here. Anyway. No, yeah. Great buy area. I also agree with you on that. Like, I do believe that the future is multi-chain and there's going to be probably so many killer products on Atom. But my concern is if it just becomes like you were talking about the alt layer one kind of thesis, right? It's like, okay, cool. I can go on Atom. And yeah, there's like these 10 great chains that I use, but there's also these 500 bullshit chains that no one cares about. Now, I mean, I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but... Yeah, well, I think it will happen. I think you're right. Like, I think um, yeah. the reality is if you can easily spin up chains, the barrier to entry for creating bullshit chains is much higher. I'll give you an example of this. Like, in, in, in medicine, there was this, like, uh, disease called pulmonary hypertension, and Initially, it was like really, really complicated to start people on medication. It was like IV. It was an ice packs and shit. And people used to inject this into their body with like a, you know, IV in their body. Right. So at that time, like everyone was really, really careful. And, and like, you know, each patient that was put on this thing was really specifically scrutinized. And then when medicines came out in pill form, like it was so easy, much easier to prescribe these things. You got way more usage and everything was loosely defined as the same disease. And people have a tendency to use things that are way cheaper, way more loosely. Uh, it doesn't mean necessarily you're getting higher quality. So I think you're right. Like you do uh, open up the entire crypto space to just like endless, uh, useless layer ones too. Um, so but that's so, good yeah. in a sense because it's because it, if it's that cheap to spin up layer one, right? That means that like what does that mean? It means that all the layer ones, not just the ones on Cosmos, but all of them, become like um devalued through sort of like brute force numbers that anyway. is true. The, the, the other thing though it's and this is why i kind of like polka dot is because they're i, I see adam and polka dot as somewhat similar products even though they're not 100 percent similar they're both layer zeros uh, but the thing about polka dot i like is they have a set amount of chains that can be um i guess plugged into the main parachain as well with that it essentially cherry picks your entire ecosystem so if you don't think a product's valuable it doesn't get added to the parachain um but with that also you only get like the most valuable chains like for example akala or um what are some other ones building on there kilt moonbeam um and uh, the list just goes on but with that you get kind of a more selective yeah, because the barrier to entry to have your own chain is much higher, I would think, right? Yes, but it's also just, the thing is, my concern is it becomes a little bit more centralized with parachain auctions and things of that nature, which is, in my opinion, pretty disgusting because just you get a, a whole shit <laughs> of centralization, which is just... Yeah, yeah. so maybe this is a, a good place for me to jump in. Yeah, I've jump also in, been comp comparing um, uh, Polkadot and... and and Cosmos Hub, and I'm also concerned about too many layer ones, and that's one reason I really love Atom and Cosmos Hub is that it's a layer zero, and there really isn't much of a contest right now for layer zeros. You've got, you know, Cosmos Hub and you've got Polkadot, um, and I can also reiterate the 
the, the multi-chain thesis. And I, I would agree with your, your medical example, Sefi. Um, once you make the tech kind of easy enough, seamless enough, and kind of low cost enough to use, and it, it becomes truly ubiquitous. I mean, I could see a world where, you know, every organization on earth runs, runs on a blockchain um, and inputs and outputs in, in this vast kind of ecological system. Yeah, you know, and, are, you know are the between more, blockchains yeah, and... yeah, yeah. I mean, the, and the more of them there are, like, the more potential reasons for people to jump between these chains using something like Atom. So, to me, as a liquidity coin that is credibly neutral across all these chains, you can imagine there's going to be a liquidity pool for Atom or something along those lines on practically every chain, right? Like, there's no reason for that not to happen. And I think that's, uh, in some ways, the bullish case for Adam. It's like the interesting, like barter coin across all these things. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it, there's yeah. there's that, and and then there's, I mean, it's. I think we have to be careful. I, I think there's room for kind of definitional definitional language to form around the hub. Um, like we, we we refer to it as a layer zero. I think that's helpful. But I actually, in some ways, prefer the polka dot language and calling it a relay hub. Um, you know, with Cosmos, we have IBC, so we're cer certainly a relay hub. Um, but it's actually more than that. It's it's also becoming like Polkadot in the sense that, that it's an interchain security hub. And um, like Jerbear, I'm kind of a little bit nervous about the heavy-handed approach to interchain security with Polkadot, and it f feels very kind of centralized. And you have to, you know, as a as a as a parachain candidate, get this. Um, kind of bond put up by the community to bid in the slot auction and the slot slot is only open for two years um, and then you have to you know bid again and, and the fact that there's a limited number of slots mean, means a lot of projects won't even try and it kind of you know it limits it, it's hard to be you know to st <clears throat> start out as self-sovereign and then to easily join the relay hub whereas with cosmos it's going to be much lighter weight and um, kind of much more at the option of the founders without kind of this heavy-handed mechanism. Um, so I, I kind of like that lightweight aspect of it, and I'm really excited to see what, what Cosmos does with the interchain um, security hub um, kind of work that's, that's coming out and, and being done. Um, even, even more fundamentally, though, when I look at um, Tendermint, which Cosmos is built in, I just see it as blue chip like across all the important categories. So it's self-sovereign. Um, the performance has been terrific. The UI UX is probably the best in crypto. The interoperability with IBC is sufficiently good. And, and then the interchain security is kind of the last piece of it. Hopefully that's going to be blue chip as well. Um, and when, when I call it blue chip... And, and by the way, both, both uh, Cadena and um, like Near have both made claims that they're going to connect to IBC, although I'm not sure if it's happened with either of them yet. And, and interestingly, in the early days when IBC was being discussed as a concept, Gavin recently, and Polkadot almost picked it up, and Polkadot tried to do something more kind of holistic, a, a, kind of a, a universe. Better future, you're, you're cutting in and out. Yeah, you're breaking up, bud. If it's too bad, I can drop off. I'm, I'm not in a good location, so... Yeah, you're kind of coming and going a bit there. <laughs> All right, I'll try to I'll try try to say one more thing quickly. Yeah, cool. um, go ahead. Yeah, and then I can drop off. Um, the, the the this idea that Tendermint is blue chip. I mean, Crypto.com, Terra Luna, Binance Smart Chain, 
Polygon, which is the crown jewel of the Ethereum ecosystem. Now Kepler Wallet. When, when I use Phantom Wallet on Solana, or I use MetaMask on Ethereum, or the, the app.polkadot.js web app, none of them make me happy. They're all, all terrible users. Chains that make everyone happy are the first five or six that I mentioned. Crypto.com, Terra Luna, Binance. Yeah, I agree. Polygon. And I, and, you're breaking and up there, but yeah, and, I, I totally agree. Connection's not good. I'll, I'll uh, pass it back to you, Safiyai. But uh, it feels like we're really converging yeah, in our kind of, an, analysis of, of kind of the superiority of the Cosmos Hub and Atom. And I think it's currently very underrated. And I think that if it becomes a blue chip project, you know, blue chip in the sense of like Apple or Google or Amazon, um, I mean, Ethereum's the only project that, that has kind of had that blue chip um, premium when it trades. I, th I think Atom is still very nascent. It's been given proper or explicit reference. I think implicitly, you know, it's up way more off, off the bottom than any other coin right now. Um, but I, th I think explicitly over the coming months and, and year, um, you know, others, in addition to you and I, Sethi, are, are going to start to realize the centrality, superiority, and importance of, of the Cosmos Hub, but the world that's coming, I, 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 I'm just, I, I can't ima imagine what we're going to have five years from now. So I'll, I'll drop off there. Um, Safi, uh, oh, yeah, you you yeah, thank you for being on Better Future. Uh, great conversation, brother. Uh, shame that you're breaking up. But um, Safi. Uh, you were talking about how Near was integrating with IBC, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this project. It's called the Octopus Network. It's built on Near using Substrate, um, so it has the ability to be a parachain on Polkadot, and as well, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's also able to interact with IBC. Um, and their version of, um, I don't know if I'd said this, but they're, they're essentially like a subnet network. So sort of like how subnets operate on Avalanche, they're subnets, but um, they're just doing it on Near. And essentially they're just like much more efficient and a whole bunch of other interesting stuff. But I don't know if that's what you thought when you're talking about Near interoperability with IBC, but just to sort of put that on your radar if you've never heard of Yeah, the, I think Ilya of, uh... Near Network uh, mentioned some things about yeah I don't know how exactly uh, the the IBC and Near integration works or whether it's some kind of layer two solution or what I'm not really sure what the implementation is I thought it was like a primary um, like base layer Near function that's being added with IBC which is super interesting I don't know how that how that works exactly but anyway um, but it's basically the messaging functions of IBC. Um, you know, but like on the whole, I just, uh, you know, looking at like, I don't know, an Elrond or a Nier or whatever, I'm not 100% sure I've heard the absolute case for the existence of a lot of layer ones that can't necessarily be solved by like ultra parallelization of a cosmos based chains, which we haven't even like fully explored yet. So I don't know. I, I'm not so sure like the world needs a gajillion different layer ones. The most prominent problem with lots and lots of layer ones is just increasing, increasing consumer fragmentation 
where nobody you know knows what the fuck is going on and you have like just like money money's sort of already spreading out across all over the place to like all sorts of random useless projects yeah and especially with that too it's like you have all this money flowing in or not money but you just have all these builders and they're building like shitty l1s instead of maybe focusing on like 10 or 20 good solid l1s that are actually trying to solve real world problems and make the quality of life for billions of people better right um like why would you want so many just trash l1s out there and unfortunately that's where we are at the stage of uh you know but the good thing with a bunch of uh l1s and i've i've mentioned this uh many many times i i it's kind of like the thesis of decentralization is there's the decentralization that occurs as a result of say lots of validators right like you have 120 validators 130 validators or maybe a a thousand validators so you have that decentralization where the wider the um like the stakers are being distributed the better in a sense but you also have um a decentralization from the perspective of infinite blockchains so let's say you have like 10,000 cosmos based chains like you're going to try to shut them all down you know how exactly right uh, especially if a lot of uh, validators are sort of dispersed all over the world or maybe on like, uh, I don't know, Flux Network or whatever the hell, right? Like it's really gets harder and harder to like control this stuff. And outside of making it sort of legal to use things, um, it does make it harder to like just shut anything down. So I think decentralization comes in many forms. Uh, like even if you have, let's say, 10 centralized layer one blockchains, uh, if they interact together with, um, you know, IBC, it indirectly creates um, like decentralization uh, uh, in that in in sort of a, a different way, right? So imagine like you have 130 validators right now on a on a chain. If you've got like 130 blockchains, right? Like there, it's no different than having 130 validators. If you can have liquidity shared across all 130 chains. Again, it makes it harder to like close anything down. So I, I think, uh, yeah, so tons and tons of junk chains with lots of different like colonies forming uh, with global communities, like making a bunch of little like mini chains or whatever, especially on Cosmos. Um, you know, like it, it, one of the big things Cosmos governance is going to allow, which is super interesting, is I think we we haven't fully like seen like religion emerge on um like on chains which is funny because like i think uh like i think uh jay kwan is like uh by and large like an agnostic type of character right which is funny but like ultimately the the ability to have like individual governance basically means that like there might be like crypto native you know metaverse cults and religions and shit right like based on some kind of you know useless concepts or whatever like i'm not saying i'm a, a like big religious character or whatever i'm just saying like that type of application uh, is almost uh, bound to happen. And actually, the more that happens, the better, because like in many countries, the freedom of religion is sort of like a, um, like sort of a, like a, you know, parliamentary or constitutional right. So, you know, if you can wrap, you know, whatever, you know, privacy or whatever the fuck you're doing on chain, you just wrap it into like this idea that it's a religion. Well, then shit, like, okay, well, you're, you're, you know, you're going against my freedom of religion. 
So like we need like a little like Jesus chain and all that chain and shit like that, like wrapped into the middle of the mixer <laughs> so that uh, you can't <laughs> shut that shit down. Right. I've never so, thought about that. That's fascinating. Yeah. There's all sorts of like anti-governmental tactics you can use to sort of like, you know, do crazy shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, it's like, uh, I don't know. You might raise the ire of like, you know, I don't know. You know, the Jehovah's Witness or some some shit like you know, some little, your, what you do yeah. is you store your religion on Arweave on the perma web. And make yeah, a little or there's like, you know, like this is my religion. You raise the ire of like the Methodists or some shit like you know. It's like and so uh yeah, you never know. But yeah, what's up, Ben? Moon, what's going on? Uh, I was just gonna say, speaking on uh, validators and uh, decentralization, I really think things like uh you know uh, Horcrux really helps out with that a lot. I mean, the fact that you can have one validator, you know, running on th three or four different nodes, whereas, you know, you just take down one node and you're still operational, I think is really amazing. And, I, you know, I haven't seen that really on any other chain other than other than in the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, Moon Platoon, can you uh, give maybe a little overview of what Hawkrux is? I've never heard of it, but it sounds yeah. Funny. Yeah, jump through for the audience a little bit if you have a little uh, uh yeah so like uh horcrux is kind of it, i mean if anybody's seen harry potter you know what the horcrux is so like it's the same idea they took that that same concept of the idea that like you you know in the in the, mo in the, in the movies like a horcrux is this uh a physical object that you know these wizards like attach their souls to or whatever they can't actually die unless you destroy the horcrux right you can kill their bodies multiple times whatever and they just come back so it's the same concept it's just a type of like network topology so like you're using um so like with moon platoon like we use three three century nodes that are going to have like most of, it's that's that's what's going to be pulling like the actual chain the data right so and you're going to be signing it with signer nodes which are three other nodes that are not can, the only way they connect is just simply to, to sign the, the transactions. What's really cool about it is, is that you also do not have to have your keys on the actual nodes themselves. You actually uh, you split the keys up. Uh, I don't know the f full tech technology behind it or whatever, but like you essentially split the keys up and, and they're, you know, one part is on each different signer node and they all, connect to the three different sign the three different century nodes sign the transactions and you meaning that essentially you could take down a signer and a century node and you're still going to be signing the transactions right so even if someone wanted to dos or what have you one of your centuries it's not going to kind of stop you from signing transactions so uh, where's the first implementation or when you know the like timeline and like how this is going to be implemented it's all right we're already running it most a lot of the validators are already running this so we Moon okay. Platoon runs it yeah so i mean it's been around i don't really know i think it i want to say like we started running it when we were when we started running our validator on uh terra 2.0 we were running it there but i'm pretty sure they had people running it prior to that now some some of the cosmos chains are more friendly than others to it um but it's you know it's worked flawlessly thus far the really nice part about it is like i said is you know if you need to do node maintenance right you don't have to worry about like not you know bringing your entire node down possibly getting slashed you know 
that's really, that's a pro to it as well. I mean, there's a lot of pros to it, in my opinion, that I can't really think of any cons. Um, and I've talked to quite a few people about it and we kind of reach the same. I mean, some people just, you know, they like, uh, bare metal and stuff. And now who, who built this? Uh, it's a community of guys. Uh, I can give you, hang on a second. Let me, I'll grab the, uh, the, well, that's okay. I just let, if you knew offhand, but like, um, you can look, check out their, uh, their GitHub though. That's what I'm trying to say. Hang on. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think? So as about as validators, um, what do you think about like this, um, interchange security conversation? Like, do you think it's going to be potentially profitable for you guys, the validator to, um, you know, provide some kind of interchange security system? Like, how does that work from the validator perspective in terms of monetary benefits, whatever? Uh, assuming that it's like comes out as planned. I mean, I, as far as I, I'd have to get my the tech tech guy up in here for that. I have it's me and then the tech guy. I just, I'm I'm the face of it, so I do all the marketing and stuff. But like, essentially, like I mean, I can't see. I mean, I guess there probably are some cons to it. Um, what they are, I mean, I, I don't know off the top of my head, um, but I would say that anything that increases the security of of the ecosystem as a whole i mean is is a good thing i guess in my mind the con would be that like some of the biggest validators with the most resources um might be capable of providing um validator services for too many chains such that like what's like already do. what's that like they already do yeah like they already do but like more, more so make it easier um, I don't know. So like the, the validator business, um, you know, how do you, you know, increase yeah. that I, diversification? I, here's, here's, here, here's my thing. Here, this is something that's near and dear to me, obviously, because like, I really don't like a lot of centralization, you know, and that, and I don't think, I think people who really like, you know, decentralization want to, and actively delegate to multiple validators right the problem that that you know i've seen is is that a lot of the the tools that are aren't really there to help and facilitate uh delegation to multiple validators one of the greatest things all that i've seen thus far is something that kuji just kujira just released like two or three days ago if anybody follows kujira they've released a uh, a little thing on their uh under their their stake option where you can literally optimize your stake to go to the lowest i believe like it's like any of uh, the lowest 50 percent of the validators right like it it'll automatically uh delegate to those and it can you can actually re-delegate any of your other stakes that you have to like some of the uh the other the top validators so like thank you right thank you zone He's, he was actually at like well over almost pushing 11% uh, voting power. And he's now been dropped down to below 9% of that voting power in just a few days, just because of that one tool that was added, you know? So I, I and, and I feel like that's, that's something that really needs to happen across the board within the cosmos ecosystem, because it's tricky. Um, like when you, when you um, create like strategies like that, um, or when you do things like um, like liquid stake derivatives or 
you do like anything that makes it like really easy to pick um, validators. You can do so in the name of decentralization, but you also do so um, in the name of like um, you 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 wind up not having as much like decision making that happens uh, when people are choosing their validators. So yeah, that's that true. Creates, I don't I don't disagree. Like with a, you. Yeah, it's like a separate distortion, I guess. Right. Correct. Yeah. So I would I would argue that like there has to be like almost like the hierarchy of needs right so like in my view like decentralization is top priority i mean if you don't have decentralization you don't have a blockchain in my opinion right so that takes precedence over everything else so to me like having that tool is awesome to have now what's really cool about the way kujira implemented it is is that it will, you know, you don't have to do it that way. I mean, you can still select whichever one you want. Obviously, people take the path of least resistance. But what's really cool about it is, is that, like, you know, let's say, because there's a couple, there's but, a couple. But of you also, you also that. take, yeah, you also take the path of least resistance when you do get like a liquid stake token too. No, which does course. the exact same thing, sort of, right? Right. Yeah, but but that's but that, so that's really the the thing that like with. Uh, Oh, shit, I was going to say it, and it completely popped out of my head what I was going to say. I had a brain fart. Um, like, you mean like Lido on Ethereum or something? No, no, no. I mean, talking about, because you bring up liquid staking, right? Like uh, like and, Quicksilver and all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but, well, I mean, and, you know, I think, isn't it Stater? Stater Labs, they have liquid staking too, and then yeah, other guys, exactly. you know. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm fine up. with, like, people delegating I'm just gonna interrupt you for a second. It provides I'm, value. Go ahead. I'm just gonna hop off, guys. Um, thanks everyone for your time. Safi, have a great yeah, day. Cool. Have a good one. Um, everyone, uh, I urge you to look into Ergo. There's a great video on YouTube by Hash It Out. Um, yeah. Aside from that, everyone have a great day. Take care, y'all. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I remember what I was gonna say now. So, I mean, th this is really like, in my opinion, you know, you, you, you talk about like, we're talking about like the, the path of least resistance. I mean, running at 0%, you know, commissions is the number one way everybody knows that's the number one way to get fucking delegations that and don't be a dumbass, right? You have a, have a massive Twitter following. So I don't, Jesus Christ. Sorry, my cat's going crazy. So, you know, like, I, you know, I have a problem with validators that run at 0%, you know, indefinitely, like all nodes and, you know, some of these guys like whatever I get what, you know, but like, if, if you look at like the Terra launch, you know, a great example of like how shitty things can go is something with like the king, the king guy, I forgot his full validator name, you know, he was running at 0% straight off the bat, got like almost, I think almost 20 million, you know delegations and then automatically upped it to you know 20 percent you know his, his max chain rate change was 20 percent. so i mean there's a lot of pros and cons to you know picking your own validator i think because a lot of people are just going to look at that oh zero percent you know zero percent commissions that's the most you know i'm gonna i'm gonna delegate to them Whereas, you know, and, and some of these guys that were in, I, I keep talking about Kujiro only because like this, this is the only, uh, shit. 
some cats are fighting. So this is the only chain that I've seen thus far that impl- that's really implemented something that I really like as far as, you know, optimizing your stake for all the different validators. So, and, and it's rotate, it goes in and out, right? So like anytime there's people that go above the, you know, 50% threshold, they get taken out of it. So it doesn't optimize to them. It only optimizes to the lower 50%. So, you know, I like that. And I feel like decentralization is, is king. Yeah. It's almost like, on the most. it's almost like if you think about it, like, all right, like one of the, we seem to want to automate practically everything. So we're automating our homes, we're automating our this, we're automating that, we're automating like a little bunch of shit in our car, self-driving cars, everything else. Uh, automation of decentralization, um, you know, via like, I don't know, machine learning networks or whatever to basically um, like create credibly uh, and verifiably uh, decentralized systems through some kind of, um, you know, like really just through some sort of neural network type system is what I think is going to need to happen eventually. If we assume that like uh, we want the decentralization to happen in a sort of like uh, human neutral um like domain where like you you don't tend towards centralization so maybe human beings have a tendency towards centralization and the machine learning system uh, you know or would trend towards decentralization to sort of counter that maybe i don't know I, some you sort of like end up with this like middle middle ground yeah and, and maybe like there's some um uh, like, yeah, some sort of smart system that kind of creates this middle ground for us because like human beings, uh, generally can't be trusted to like maintain, uh, decentralization, right? It was kind of like what happened with the United States. It's like, we have 50 States and, um, you know, like if you like, look what happened over the last like hundred years, significant erosion of States rights over, um, like power yeah power given to the central government right um this was all like well described by like early founders and all like this is going to happen and this kind of thing and some of the early advocates of federalism which actually mean more states rights um like you know had whole like you know little pamphlets and (laughs) books on this subject and and uh that you know centralization like once you start taking like tax dollars to the middle somewhere you what happened was like you had increasing increasing incentives for like politicians from states yeah it just to, gets worse and worse and worse, and worse yeah it just gets worse and worse so like then it's like what is the counter to that what is the counter to it in american government what is the counter to it in the second amendment yeah exactly second amendment the what's what's the counter to it in which is why the second amendment is the second by the way you know that's that's just what it is that it was considered to be that important but like in this architecture like the weapon you know, it's not going to be a gun. The weapon is going to be sort of like AI. Um, AI, and um, you know, the funny, the fucking crazy thing is that the, the gun is actually going to turn itself on the human race, which is almost inevitable. So that's a different problem. So it's almost like, uh, like the further and further we go to sort of automating our money, you know, trying to attempt to achieve individual sovereignty through it. Um, and like trying to free ourselves, we're actually building the very things 
that can shackle us forever, like literally forever. So like, that's an interesting uh, paradox. I don't know how to solve that either. Um, but yeah, these, some sort of uh, ML system to like uh, actively work towards decentralization um, you know, I don't know how it would do that exactly or how voting would work in that context, right? Is there like, uh, I don't know, is there a machine language voter? <laughs> like, you know, a machine a voter? I don't know. Like, who knows uh, how that plays out in the end? But um, the, the neural networks are doing amazing things, like way more shit than you might imagine. So it's like, uh, at this point, like you can credibly, credibly believe any particular possibility just based on what I've seen so far out there. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, uh, it, it, those kinds of things are take God knows how long to implement. But at the same time, some of the ML computational stuff, um, it turns out to be a lot simpler uh, and the code base is a lot smaller. <laughs> and really a lot of the data is um, and computation is... Um, like the algorithms are relatively simple in creating neural networks. It's just the the sheer volume of data that has to be stored and everything that makes uh, things interesting as far as like um, processing power and everything. But uh, the capabilities are amazing and relatively simple. Like, you know, all the stuff that like Google DeepMind and stuff are doing. So I, I don't know. I see like this. I imagine this sort of convergence. Or like maybe there's like certain chains get formed where the entire validator network, you know, runs on some uh, sort of system like this maybe. Or I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I haven't figured out where this is going. Uh, but anyway, uh, like have you thought of any other ways to sort of like uh, not enforce but like push decentralization a certain direction? Is it like, okay, if you have a certain – if you have too many uh, – people delegating to you, do you get a, a decreasing like proportional size of the vote or something? Like, how do you uh, like do what, like maybe the um, electoral college does where you have like one system with electoral college, you have one system with general voting, and then you have like um, a system where you're uh, voting for congressmen and then senators and all this shit. So you have like multiple domains of like voting happening. You know, maybe that's part of it. Like you need like multiple systems to balance it out or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, when I think about like the voting it, as it as it is currently, well, I mean, I mean, I'm talking about like within the the Cosmos ecosystem. Like, um, I mean, the incentives. Here's the problem, right? Like, it, it's kind of like, kind of like what you were saying. You know, there's this kind of this paradox where it's. You know, you're trying to decentralize the network by, you know, but you have to incentivize validators, right? I mean, because this shit's not cheap. <laughs> you yeah, know? it's almost like pure decentralization would be like some like wacky ass form of socialism because you'd have to take from the validator who got uh, like more uh, more delegations and you'd have to like right. forcibly move those delegations and distribute them to. Right. But then how do maybe, you do that? How yeah. Do how do you do that? Because now you're giving money. Yeah, exactly. Basically, I, I could argue. No, I was going to say, say I could argue for. Uh, oh, was, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was getting a phone call. Sorry, like it kind of cut me off. Um, no, I was going to say, like, how do you? Because uh, if you forcibly delegate, move delegations away or reduce power uh, for a validator that has too many, um, you know, uh, delegators, then essentially it's like a form of like forced distribution. In which case, you misallocate uh, delegations to maybe bad actor validators or 
maybe validate it. Don't share yeah. your values. I mean, also, so this is the problem, though, with like centralized planning, right? So like the whole idea of why communism failed is because of the centralized, the central planning problem, which is the idea is that like you cannot know all the information all the time, right? I mean, if you were like, how do you know the cost of running a validator specifically for that validator? Maybe that validator lives in a certain part of the world where you know, maybe they maybe they don't have access to I don't know something you know specific hardware or something. You know, maybe it's cheaper to run where they're at, so for them it's more profitable versus someone who's like living in the United States, where like you know they have to pay taxes versus somebody who's living in Portugal who doesn't have to pay taxes on crypto, right? So there's a lot of things that go into it, and that's the problem. Like that's the, one of the problems of, of central planning. But what it's going to say is you're talking about how about how to decentralize certain things. Like in my view, it, like I kind of I see crypto as you know, a voluntarism, right? Like I can choose to participate in this specific chain or not. And so with me, I don't like, I don't, I don't, I like the idea of a minimum commission, right? Like whether that's 5% or whatever. Um, did, you, did you vote yes for it on Adam or, or on a Cosmos sub? No, I didn't vote for it on that. I did. I was, we were trying to put up a vote on Terra, uh, because I, I voted for minimum co uh, commission on the Cosmos Hub proposal. Yeah, um, yeah, we we, we were going like to vote for it, but then there was then Doquan stepped in and was like, "Oh, the this fucking communism." Like, uh, okay. Anyway, so like you know, because it's because sort of, the whole uh, idea is that he's you, not he's not entirely wrong. It's he's like, not entirely wrong, but it's but it's not but it's not state communism, right? Like the idea right. is it would almost be like voluntary socialism or because you're volu you you volunteer to join. That's like you have the choice to not participate right so you don't have a choice to not participate with government i mean some men with guns are going to show up at some point so i think there i think there's a big difference there but when it comes to like the minimum commission you know this way you don't end up with that race towards the bottom you know and you end up with like a tragedy of the commons kind of situation and and a lot of people try to say that oh that, that that's not, that doesn't happen but it does happen you know i mean yeah you can see the nakamoto coefficient with with many of the the chains that's yeah. just gone down and down and down and down and down and down because of the fact that they allow a zero percent commission. So you know these. Yeah, these and, and and I consider myself a, 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 like a fairly capitalist sort of libertarian style I mean, know, type individual, right? So like you know, but at the same time, it's like it's fairly patently obvious that um, like the socialists aren't entirely wrong either, and you know biologically, um, like organisms uh certain organisms benefit from like colony-like structures with you know extreme centralization like you know some kind of beehive or ant pile or something where like the queen ant is like you know a key figure and you know everything dies if you know whatever the queen dies and then there's other uh creatures that are much much more decentralized like maybe like flies right they don't rely upon each other at all uh so it's like life sort of finds like uh credible uses of like extreme centralization extreme socialization all of these kind of like elements it's, it's almost like any heuristic or, or or like whatever algorithm that can be created um has been created biologically and fills various niches in you know like in the ecosystems of the world right like in the biological ecosystems and i think the same thing is sort of true um for for Cosmos, the beautiful thing about it is like, okay, well, if you don't like uh, a chain that has a certain percentage commission, 
uh, a minimum, then you can build another one that does have that. What, well, one of the other things I was going to say, and I don't know how you can speak about this, was just increasing the number of validators in the active mm-hmm. set. Yeah, and, and you know the the trick about increasing them is I don't know that you you solve this particular problem necessarily. Like, yeah, you can make more, but then uh, like, do you increase the do you continue to maintain the quality of the value validator set while you increase this? Like a good example of this is like, think of animal packs, right? Like there's a certain size of sort of like dog pack or wolf pack or some shit, right? Like, and then beyond that, it becomes like um, not as productive or look at like ant piles. They don't like keep growing to infinity. They get to a certain size and they sort of like uh, stop growing or whatever. Um, You know, like, so in life you see this like where, you know, colony sizes sort of vary and and they tend to have like this optimal state of some kind uh, that like, you know, billions of years of evolution or whatever, like sort out and, you know, selective pressure ends up creating some final system. So I, I, I think we're in the same problem here. It's like, we can't see the future the same way like a validator can't see the future or in terms of like, um, you know, what future costs may be and this and that. The entire community at large can't really see the future either. So really what life does is it tries to preserve like increased diversity so that if like, in other words, if one blockchain fails, another one survives because maybe it has a slightly different, you know, uh, uh, like methodology for some particular major environmental stressor. Uh, So like maybe there are situations where like a chain has 10,000 validators maybe it makes sense. And, you know, maybe there's some redistribution model where like, you know, all of the at least functioning healthy validators will get like, you know, some commission or something. And maybe there's other systems where it's only like, you know, maybe some centralized system, like maybe like United Airlines or some shit, right? Like, you know, and they have just like one validator, like, you know, they don't really care whether it's decentralized at all. Right. And uh, something like that. So I don't know. I I think there's benefits to both centralization and decentralization, depending what you're trying to achieve. And how to achieve like credible decentralization, I think has been on everyone's mind since like, you know, the last 5 billion years or whatever. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. One of the problems, I mean, this is a problem with voting in general, though. Like, you know, you you were talking about how to decentralize or or whatever more. And I mean, one of the problems, I mean, this this affects governments as well. So it's any type of democracy. I mean, you have what's what's called the information and voting cost. So that means that, like, with every single vote, there's a cost associated with it, right? And that, like, that cost can, you know, it can be whether it can be time, it could be, an, you know, actual monetary cost. It can be, you know, just having to sit down and, and read a law or, you know, or a proposal or whatever. And there's, so there's a cost associated with it. And, and if the cost is, more than what the person is willing to pay, they just aren't going to vote, right? So, the, like, if you put a you know a certain cost on a vote monetarily, let's say you know five five dollars, right? It's going to cost you five dollars to vote. Whereas, like, you know, let's say if not voting will actually save you five dollars on top of maybe gaining you an extra five dollars, you're just not going to vote. It makes no sense, right? And not only that, but like. The idea of like having to go like a lot of people going through these proposals and stuff like that, like uh, and trying to understand it. There's a concept called rational ignorance. And it's the idea that like it's completely rational to be ignorant of a certain topic because 
you don't have the time or the expertise to understand what is being talked about. Yeah. So, and, the fun, and the funny thing is like every one of us, like every single one of us in the crypto space has had uh, that moment for some vote that we're trying to vote on, right? Like <laughs> for yeah. both of the reasons you just mentioned. For me, like I'm not, you know, I'm I'm fairly technically minded. And, I mean, you know, but like I'm not, you know, I didn't go to, I don't have a fucking PhD in computer science or anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, you're not going to the GitHub and like making sure. No, that, I don't code. Fucking, I don't. You know, coding no, is perfect. Right. Yeah. So, like, there's that, and so I feel like you know that if you know if there's if there was some way that like you could incentivize validators without allowing without giving them voting power, does that make sense? Like. To have some sort of, you know, way to have a quality validators to reward them without, but also also reward, um, you know, helping the community and stuff like that. You know, having the community engagement and stuff. So it, it's really it's really difficult. I mean, it, it's because on one hand you want to incentivize them because you know if you do have incentives that's going to, you know, allow them and to work harder and, and to make sure that they maintain a good validator, that their infrastructure is good, et cetera. On the other hand, you have this problem of validators getting too much power and controlling, you know, whereas though, one of the great things about that is, is that, you know, if people would just go and vote, their vote, they're voting on their own, right? That will override anything, the validator, right? You get what I'm saying? So like any, there's a proposal. Yeah. You go and vote. You're going to override whatever the validator stake to. Though you know your vote's going to count for whatever you decide to vote for. But the problem again that goes back to like the whole information and voting cost and, the, and rational ignorance. You know, some people don't understand the technical stuff. So it's you know it's kind of like well, okay, I'm just going to leave it in the hands of this guy, right? And hopefully they vote in my interest. And if they don't, I can just delegate to somebody else. The problem with that is is that well. What happens when something happens like with Terra, with the Terra crash, right? Where like a, a lot of people. Well, you, you also have the same uh, rational ignorance problem, by the way, when you're picking validators. Like, for example, no, absolutely. I may not understand fully like you guys and what you have as far as your value system as in like what your political philosophy is or your financial philosophy is or whatever the hell. Right. So I don't really know if I want you as representative. And so the same problem of me voting individually it like is not mitigated in any meaningful way by having a validated vote for me. Like what's the lowest commission who has the highest Twitter followers? Really shit in my opinion that matters least. Right. Right, 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 right. Like there are plenty of votes and I'm like, fuck it. I have no idea. Like you guys tell me what to vote for. Like, you know, like tell me the pros and cons. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure I understand that particular vote or whatever the problem is. Anybody in here, I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm just saying it makes sense. If if anyone is hearing this and being offended, like, don't think I'm calling you stupid. I'm just saying, like, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, there, there's plenty of things I'm completely stupid on. And, you know, I, I see how that, like, say, for example, like, I work as a critical care physician normally, right? So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people in medicine, you know, or in, uh, or especially the lay public or whatever, has no idea about critical care medicine, right? Like, it's a very, very specific thing that you spend a whole lot of time like honing in on. And even me, who's in that particular field, like, you know, doesn't read every single study that has ever been created about every single thing. It's impossible. Yeah, you just use so that debate. Yeah. So then you wind up having a bunch of, uh, uh, you have a bunch of like guidelines organizations and this and that that try to like 
take all that data, go through all the reams of shit and try to produce something that, you know, like you can eventually get that information to everybody. There's a huge cost to that, right? Like we pay like dues to those organizations that they exist. And then you kind of like meet up at these various meetings and like, you know, everyone like sits around in a little huddle and kind of like, you know, creates these things over a period of a week uh, or whatever. So like, yeah, there's an information cost and a gathering cost to all that shit. And then it's like, like, I don't want to go through every study ever created about whatever. Like I sort of want someone to go through and sift through that shit. The highlights. But what's interesting is an interesting like side effect of that was though, if you look at like American College of Chess Physicians or whatever, which I belong with, belong to, like what you find is like you have like a significant portion of those organizations have become very socialist. Like their their mantras and their sort of thinking have become like there's not enough like libertarians or maybe conservatives or whatever, like in those organizations. So there's this like weird like creep where like a socialist mentality will have a tendency to creep into each of those guidelines it may not seem overt like but when you go through some certain studies and the type of studies that get chosen to be like you know performed and things like that there's this like sort of like you know gray area bias that just sort of permeates the whole thing which is funny like i remember one time like i went to a meeting and uh like in california and the the keynote speaker was fucking talking about the uh like it's like the communist manifesto i'm like what the fuck's wrong with you like 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 are you american or what like what's going on here and like some of the their attitudes toward how they want to get rid of like smoking and shit are very very like um like uh, authoritarian socialist in nature so this is what this is what happens though um when these systems like ultimately you give away all of your individual decisions like oh i'm gonna read every freaking article in medicine versus letting these organizations like provide guidelines and i'm not saying these guidelines are just all politically motivated don't get people don't get your panties in the water whatever the point is like uh there is like if you're if you're smart about politics you understand it you're smart about economics you notice these subtle details over time and i think uh we we face like we, we haven't solved any of those problems in the blockchain space because like governance problems are going to be there irrespective of like as long as the universal law allows lots of different ways to skin a cat like you and me are going to have slightly different ways we're going to want to skin that cat um so like even like a, a group of libertarians will fucking like fight each other about some how you know like what thing to be more libertarian about or something right so it's it's a uh, it's, it's an interesting sort of like um, system where you're trying to preserve individual liberty, you're trying to like preserve that decentralization aspect, but at the same time you want to you want to fight to exist. Like you don't want to like let's say favor let's say decentralization, but for some reason like you know maybe validators get a bad shake and turns out that like nobody wants to validate for that network and they go somewhere else. So then you get like survival of the fittest problems where like certain chains might. You know, maybe you vote for stupid shit that like doesn't favor projects or layer twos, and then nobody wants to come build on your particular chain, right? Like all these issues can happen, and it can be hard to tell like um, which fuck up is going to lead to like ten years down the line, a hundred years down the line, whatever it is that you know makes your chain irrelevant compared to someone else that created something better in terms of governance. So I, th- I think that um, the problem of governance to me. Like is is one of the I think Vitalik sort of said the same thing and a lot of people have I think uh, that like ultimately the sort of country in the um, the, the countries that are being formed essentially 
in the crypto space, the ones that can form the most cohesive and most like maybe whatever, like versatile uh, governments are going to be the ones that survive long term. And, you know, like this experiment of like, can you keep the Constitution of the United States going and like, you know, somehow revert the centralization and all of this kind of shit, like, you know, all these debates that we have, like his exact same debates in blockchain. And I don't know, I, I think the information problem, like you mentioned, I think the it ends up being delegated to robots and there's just going to be this trend for to to for machine learning to do more and more of it. That's Maybe, just my my thing. ourselves first, but I mean the yeah, world, right. Yeah, but I mean like the biggest, you know, one of the, you know, t- talking about like the government stuff. I mean, and this obviously really I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like if you go if you look all throughout history, right? Like of the human race, I mean, there is armed resistance. Right. At some point, there, there comes a point where, like, people say, nah, fuck this. Right. And, and whether that's Rome or, or all throughout the Middle East or, or in the U.S., even, you know, Britain, wherever, you know, like there's always this there's always been resistance to to, uh, to tyranny, I would say, to to within to a certain extent. And I would argue that, like. The only language, you know, people talk, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for fucking violence. Please don't take that to what I'm saying. What I am saying is there's only one language that governments understand, and that is violence. You know, that's, that's their social impetus. That's how they, that's how they developed is to, you know, basically conquer from one, you know, group of people from another, take land from one group of people to another, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, just go to, go to Washington, D.C., like look at the inscription in the Jefferson monument, look at the inscriptions over at the world war II Memorial, right? Like the, the, the basic warnings against tyranny are, are pretty explicit. He's like, like I'm, I'm for anybody who like this, uh, the paraphrase of Thomas Jefferson, essentially like, you know, I'm for uh, the destruction of those who will uh, tyrannically, um, you know, uh, try to enslave the human mind essentially. Um, and I, I'm going to be like radically um, violent against that and, and make no like sort of like make no um, uh, bones about it kind of thing. So pretty cool phrases there. And I think they're super important. It's like I think uh, some of like Thomas Jefferson and other people's work probably should like, you know, quickly move into the block space, blockchain space in a sense. Like I think those people that really study those kinds of like, you know, political geniuses should really sort of like codify some of that shit in our in the, in the blockchain world before it's too late. It's kind of a weird problem because otherwise you wind up with like, if you don't like typically, if you look phenotypically, something like 40% of human beings, something like that are left, like 40% are right. And, you know, around, you know, 10 to 20% somewhere in the, in the rest of it is like a libertarian minded phenotype of human being. So if you just leave things to chance, right, you percentage wise, you're more likely to have left or right but you're going to have a tendency to not have enough sort of like libertarian um, in there. And the difference in the U S when it was built is the U S constitution. If you kind of read all the different work and stuff, it seems like it was a very, very interesting focus of a lot of libertarians at one time, um, which was really interesting. So I think uh, we got sort of just lucky getting a constitution that's relatively libertarian in its scope. 
because um, even the people on the left and the right at that time, or whatever you want to call it, yeah, were were also relatively libertarian in their mindset. Maybe it's like this colonialist. Yeah, idea. sure. But this is also yeah. the problem with having a two party system, right? I mean, you end up with the median, yeah. or you end up with the politician who basically goes straight down the fucking middle, right? I mean, if you you see that across, like through all the elections. How close have, have the past, you know, 10 to 15 elections been fucking huge, like presidential elections? It's always yeah. like 51 to 49, you know, like 52 to, to, to 50, whatever. Like now, 50, like sure. Yeah. Hey, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, uh, it, it's, it's always been it's, it's been that way when you have a two party system. I mean, the median voter theorem proves that, you know, conclusively that that the politicians will always go because that's their that's their whole the purpose of them right like is to get elected so they're going to go wherever they get the most votes you know it was interesting spaces i don't know if you caught it like a couple days ago um you know balaji srinivasan he's kind of like a like you know i don't know if he's poli sci or what the fuck he is anyway but his uh his his discussion on like network um communities and stuff like what he noted was like if you think of the world for most of human history like borders were relatively liquid and not really like uh, strictly um, they weren't strictly clear and they changed a lot. Right. So it's almost like think of uh, the, the old world as, Hey, you know what, if uh, me and a bunch of my Mormon buddies want to believe some shit, we'll go run over to Utah over here and we're going to start our own state. Right. Like now the difference is, is that we're like in this snap to grid uh, sort of system per his like idea and that it's much harder with physical nation states to now like go and like create your own state or something. So now we're getting increasingly polarized, let's say, you know, let's say Republicans and Democrats, but let's say like 500 years ago or 700 years ago or whatever, like you would have had already these two groups like form their own countries with very different ideologies. Right. That's kind of, that was an interesting sort of like way to put it. Like the whole planet is now in this weird snap to grid which is why, like, a lot of people say, well, if you fuck up America, like, well, then you have nowhere to run because you're fucked. Like, you know, there's like every single parliamentary government, uh, like, has a less free architecture than the Bill of Rights does. Right. So, like, so that like, yeah, that's it, why I hate that argument. If you don't like it, leave. Like, yeah, fuck that. Like, you know, that's uh, not so, freedom, man. Yeah, exactly. This is why I like go around like teaching, like, uh, you know, Naval Academy you know, people, you know, kids and like, you know, whatever, like, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, the, the, like, if you don't like stay and like defend, then all you do is like, just concede. Um, and like, where are you going to run to exactly? Right. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Michael Malice has a really great, uh, uh, saying, and he, you know, he says, when somebody tells me, you know, if you don't like it, leave, I say to them, well, no, that's not the definition of freedom. The definition of freedom is I do what I want not what you want. So if you don't like it, you leave, right? So if you're the one trying yeah, to exactly. what to do and how to live my life, you're the one that's the problem, not me. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Anyway, yeah, I, 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 this is all kind of like interesting. There's always political stuff, political science or whatever is always interesting. Yeah, um, sorry, I'm talking about Adam. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's, it's relevant because like Adam in particular, is where like I think uh, uh, increasing decentralization is important, and like um, you know we've had like some governance spats, you know where you know Jay wanted less, you know uh, like complication essentially of the Cosmos hub, and 
other people wanted to like start small smart contracts and shit, right? Like, like so these kinds of things are so relevant to. It doesn't matter which chain you're in, really, but yeah, like people just don't realize like how like important they are to the long range health of these. Um, like call them sure. no you know what's really funny is, is i could see how i could see blockchains themselves like entire communities like where people move to almost like you know states and and cities where like you know like if you predominantly like prefer ethereum maybe there's a city where almost everybody there's like has ethereum you know what i mean and like they make their own little rules and laws there and have they pay for their own you know what i'm saying like yeah, like the, way, the, the way the way the way Balaji uh, like basically described it was you're sort of already doing that when you go to your different chains, right? Like you say, hey, you know, what? I like the uh, I don't know UI UX of like uh, maybe uh, you know the Kepler wallet, or I like uh, you know maybe the types of projects and you know Do Kwan's philosophy on Terra Two or something or whatever, right? Like you sort of are making your way to those little mini countries. But I guess what you're saying is like, there may be like physical enclaves where more. Yeah. Yeah. One coin is used. Yeah. They're like I little mean, islands and shit that use Ethereum. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, that's what, you know, maybe at some point, one of these chains becomes, you know, has, has more, you know, uh, economic power than some countries. <laughs> and, you know, perhaps they, I mean, hire their own army, you know, hell, I mean, if you look at the breed, the, British East India Company. I mean, they had their own army, and look what they did. Look what they were able to accomplish. I'm not saying that that's that it was moral or just or correct what they did. I'm just saying, you know, I could see where some shit like that could happen, very very easily. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, hey, Grits and uh, Grover, you guys are back. What's up? Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part one of the two part CFI Space Crypto Trading Q and A using Adam effectively. Recorded on Friday, September 2nd, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focused, starscream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man's swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Little Dan envisioning the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal lit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime 
till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the bird's view Gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis Mock up a basement, could call me resilient Waiting for the internet to make me a b-b-b-billion Vision in the middle, men listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty, then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Channel spaces.